Welcome, friends. You are listening to the podcast for First Christian Church in Fort Myers, Florida. To learn more, join us online at fccfm.org. It is a blessing to be able to share God's Word with you today. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. Welcome to First Christian Church. This is week number five of our series called Spiritual Things, and we have been playing off of the Stranger Things motif from the hit Netflix original series, and we've just been talking about some of the strange spiritual things that Christians believe, things like heaven and hell and the book of Revelation and angels and demons. Last week, Pastor Jimmy talked about the Holy Spirit. Today, we're going to talk about baptism. Now, next week, we really want you to come back next week. We want you to bring a guest with you. We're going to kick off a new series on spiritual growth. Like, what does it look like to grow spiritually? We're not talking about feelings. We're talking about action. We're talking about steps. What does it look like to grow spiritually? What steps should the followers of Jesus Christ be taking as his disciples? And what's our path to spiritual growth here at FCC. That's gonna be next week. We don't want you to miss that. But this week, we're talking about baptism. And let's just be honest for a moment and say that baptism is a very strange thing. And if you've grown up in church, maybe it doesn't seem so strange, but if you didn't, think about it. Like, what is it? And why do we do it? And what does it mean? And what's the deal with being immersed in water? And is it really that important to be baptized? Well, Matthew chapter three, verses 13 through 17 says this. It says, then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love with him. I am well pleased. Heavenly Father, speak to us today. Open our hearts, open our Minds, open our will to your life-changing truth and power in Jesus' name. Amen? How many parents we got in the room? Uh, being a parent involves getting your children to do things they don't want to do. Would you agree? Like going to school when they want to stay home every single day. Like eating grilled chicken and green beans when they want pizza every single day. Or doing their chores when they want to play with friends. Or going to church when they want to stay home and play video games. They may not fully understand the value of doing these things. Because let's be honest, God love them. Children are amazing, but they lack perspective. And as their parents, we know what's best for them. Amen? I don't know about your kids, but when my kids don't want to do something, they will often say... Dad, do I have to? 
Like you've heard that, right? Do I have to? And if you're anything like me, you probably like to smirk a little bit and respond to it with, nope, you don't have to. You get to. <laughs> love saying that. My kids hate it, but I love it. You don't have to, you get to. Well, today we're going to talk about something that for whatever reason, some Christians like to argue about, like to say it's not that important, not that necessary, and that something is baptism. And for whatever reason, some believers look at baptism and they say, they say, I don't need to do that. Or maybe they ask, do I really have to? And today we're going to answer that question as we examine Matthew chapter 3 verses 13 through 17 where Jesus himself was baptized and where John the Baptist argued with Jesus about whether or not he had to be baptized and where Jesus insisted, perfect as he was, that even he had to be baptized and how we should adopt a get-to mentality instead of a have-to mentality when it comes to baptism. And that brings us to our big idea for today. Baptism shouldn't be a question of why do I have to, but when do I get to? Now, let me say that again. Baptism should not be a question of why do I have to, but rather a question of when do I get to? Well, let's dig into our discussion today by understanding Jesus' baptism. Now, the story of Jesus' baptism is pretty clear, pretty simple, not a lot of theological puzzles that need to be solved here. John the Baptist, he's in the wilderness. He's preaching about the kingdom of heaven. He's baptizing people in the Jordan River, and it's a baptism of repentance, a baptism of life change. People recognize they've sinned. They've fallen from God. They need to recommit themselves. They need to rededicate their lives to God. They need to return to God and baptism in the Jordan River being immersed in water is, well, it's kind of like taking a bath. Physically, you go in dirty, you come out clean. Spiritually, same idea. You go in the water, a sinner, you come out of the water with a fresh start. Now, it's important to understand they didn't believe the water in the Jordan River literally washed away their sins. They understood it more ritualistically as a, as a ceremonial cleansing of sorts. And so Jesus, he goes from Galilee to the Jordan River where John was preaching and John was baptized. And Matthew 3.13 says Jesus goes to John to be baptized. That's why he went, to be baptized. But John, the Baptist, ironically, doesn't want to baptize Jesus. John tries to deter Jesus from being baptized. John, I think he understood the perfection of Jesus. He understood the identity of Jesus. I think he didn't fully understand, but he understood something about the mission of Jesus. And so John says, no, you don't need to be baptized. Everyone else needs to be baptized. Even I need to be baptized, but not you, Jesus. You don't need to be baptized. And nevertheless, Jesus insists that his own baptism is necessary to, quote, fulfill all righteousness. And so John consents and he baptizes Jesus. And then after Jesus comes up out of the water, the skies open and the Holy Spirit descends and a voice from heaven booms out, this is my son whom I love 
with him I am well pleased. And that is the story of Jesus' baptism. But there are three things that we need to consider in order to fully understand his baptism. And so if you're taking notes, this is number one. John the Baptist and Jesus both needed to be baptized. You see, baptism wasn't just for the worst of sinners, but also for guys like John, who was a very good man, and Jesus, who was a perfect man, a sinless man. Both John the Baptist and Jesus of Nazareth needed to be baptized. In verse 14, John says to Jesus, I need to be baptized by you. And in verse 15, Jesus says to John, it is proper for us to do this. And if John said, I need to be baptized, and Jesus said, it is proper for us to do this, why would we argue whether or not we should be baptized? Number two, Jesus was baptized by immersion. He wasn't sprinkled with water. Water wasn't poured over him. He wasn't christened. He was immersed. Now, the only kind of baptism practiced by Jesus, by John the Baptist, and by the earliest Christians was baptism by immersion. John three, or Matthew 3.16 says, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up. That can also be translated as came up. He came up. He went up out of the water. And if Jesus went up out of the water, then he first had to do what? Go down into the water. Jesus was baptized by immersion, not by sprinkling, not by pouring, not by christening. In fact, immersion was the only form of baptism practiced by Christians for the first 500 years of Christianity. Exceptions began to be made in desert regions and for deathbed conversions about 500 years after Christ. And it wasn't until about a thousand years after Christ uh, that christening was standardized in the Catholic church as the primary form of baptism. And yet to this day, Catholic priests are often baptized by immersion rather than sprinkling. Now at FCC, we practice baptism by immersion. We don't sprinkle, we don't pour water over people. It's not that we're sitting in judgment on those who do as much as we simply want to be faithful to the example we see in scripture. And the example we see in scripture is always baptism by immersion. The third thing we wanna take note of is that God was pleased with Jesus' baptism. When John baptized Jesus, a voice echoed from heaven as the voice of God the Father declaring his pleasure in Christ the Son. Now clearly Jesus was being baptized for something other than the repentance of sins, the forgiveness of sins, because he didn't have any sins he needed to repent of. And so you might wonder, well then why was Jesus baptized? Now, we can't know the answer to this for sure, but we can, we can speculate. In fact, I believe it was an act of humility for Jesus, a humble acknowledgement of his dependence upon God, and we know that humility pleases God. I also think that it was an act of leadership for Jesus. Although Jesus didn't need to repent, he did feel the need to set an example for us. Regardless of what it meant for Jesus, it clearly meant something to God that Jesus was willing to humble himself and set an example for us for it was in this moment that God publicly declared his pleasure for Jesus. 
But what I wanna do now is I wanna advance this discussion. I wanna move from Jesus baptism in specific to Christian baptism in general. And this is a discussion that we could, we could have for hours upon hours because there are in fact so many scriptures in the Bible about baptism for us to discuss. For instance, there are scriptures that connect baptism to the repentance of sin and the receiving of the Holy Spirit. Like Acts 2.38, which says, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. There are scriptures that connect baptism to faith, like Mark 16, 16, where Jesus said, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. There are scriptures that connect baptism to salvation, like 1 Peter 3.21, which says, and this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also, not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There are scriptures that connect baptism to being joined with Jesus in his death, burial, and resurrection to receiving new life, like Romans chapter six, verses three and four, which says, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may have a new life. There are scriptures that connect baptism to being clothed with Christ, like Galatians 3.27, which says, for all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There are scriptures that connect baptism to accepting the gospel and even to church membership, like Acts 2.41, which says, those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Now, clearly, baptism has many understandings and many applications, and therefore many different interpretations by many different Christians as to what it really means, none of which we intend to really examine or debate today. Our point today, our big idea is that baptism should not be a question of why do I have to, but when do I get to? We're not arguing about different understandings of baptism. We're trying to encourage every Christ follower to be baptized. Still, we wanna take a look at a couple of key passages about baptism that will deepen our understanding. And we wanna make several statements about baptism as we examine them. For instance, this is a statement we wanna make. All New Testament Christians were baptized. Every single one of them. That is the first observation we make as we read throughout the New Testament that all New Testament Christians were baptized. There were not any unimmersed Christians in the New Testament. Second thing, second point we wanna make is that after faith and repentance, baptism is our next step. You see, faith and repentance, they're, they're essentially two sides to the same coin. Faith and repentance are fundamentally connected. If, if faith is, is turning toward God, then repentance is turning away from the world. So faith and repentance is our first response to the gospel. When we hear the gospel and we accept it as true, our first response should be faith and repentance. The question then becomes, what's next? What's our next step? In Acts 2.38, Peter answered that question. He said, repent and be baptized. Who? 
Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for what? For the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter two, for a little context, Peter had, had preached this convicting, very convicting message about Jesus, with, which the audience accepted as true. The text actually says they were, they were cut to the heart. And so then they asked Peter and the disciples, they said, brothers, what must we do? What is our response to this? Now that we believe this message, what is our next step? And Peter didn't hesitate. Peter said, repent and be baptized. Peter very clearly explained that after faith comes repentance and baptism. Repent and be baptized. Now, maybe some of you have been believers for years and years and years, but you've never been baptized. And if that's you, we hope you'll take this next step on your journey with Jesus. It's kind of like the dialogue between Philip and the Ethiopian in Acts 8.36. They're, they're going along. They're on this journey. They're, they're reading the, the Old Testament scriptures together. In the Ethiopian, he accepts the message of Christ from the scriptures as they're walking along. And, and they pass this body of water. And I, I just I love how this happens. The Ethiopian says, hey, Phil, there's water. Why can't I be baptized? What stands in the way of my baptism. And I think we should be asking this very same question, not why should I be baptized, but why can't I be baptized? What stands in the way of my baptism? And if your answer to that question is, well, nothing stands in the way, then maybe you will make that decision today. The third thing that I I want you to understand is that baptism is how we publicly pledge ourselves to God. Just like a wedding. A wedding is how we publicly pledge ourselves to our spouse for life. Baptism is how we publicly pledge ourselves to God for eternity. First Peter 3.21 says this. It says, this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also, not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge, the vow of a clear conscience towards God. And he says, it saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, this is one of the most beautiful, most poetic, most descriptive understandings of baptism in the entire Bible. And it says several things about baptism. It says, baptism, and I'm just quoting it, now saves you. Now, here's what you need to understand. It's not because you're getting wet. It's not because you're taking a bath. It's not because there's power in the water. No. Peter explains it's actually the resurrection of Jesus that saves you. You see, we're not saved because of what we do when we're baptized. We're not saved because of what's been done to us when we're baptized. We're saved because of what Jesus did on the cross and through the resurrection. Nevertheless, Peter declares that baptism is a pledge to God. Baptism is the act of publicly pledging ourselves to God forever, like a wedding is the act of publicly pledging ourselves to our spouse forever. And this is something every believer in Jesus Christ should experience. Scratch that. Gets to experience something every believer gets to experience, something we pray every one of you will get to experience, this public pledging of yourself, your heart to God for all 
of eternity. Before we close our study today, we do want to mention several common misunderstandings about baptism because there are many. In fact, some of you are actually probably sitting right now, there right now and you're, you're misunderstanding some of the things we're saying. And so I just want to clear up some of the more common misunderstandings such as this. Misunderstanding number one. The water saves us. The water saves us. This is the first misunderstanding that baptism itself, that the water in the baptistry or the river or the pool or the ocean or wherever you're baptized, the water saves us. And we just dealt with this from 1 Peter 3.21. But we wanna say it again because inevitably someone will come up in a few minutes right after I'm done preaching and they're gonna say, so you're saying people who aren't baptized are going to hell. No, that would be a misunderstanding of what we're saying. We're not saying that baptism saves us any more than we're saying faith saves us or repentance saves us or good deeds save us. We're saying that Jesus and Jesus alone saves us. Faith and repentance and baptism are some of our first responses to Jesus' saving work. Faith, repentance, and baptism is how the disciples of Jesus in these scriptures tell us to respond to the work of Jesus. Misunderstanding number two. Well, if the water doesn't save us, I guess baptism is just some kind of ritual. And some of you might say that. You might say, well, if it doesn't save us, and it's some religious ritual. And Christianity, it's not about ritual. It's not about religion. It's about a relationship with Jesus. And so I don't need to be baptized. Again, this is a misunderstanding of what we're saying. Baptism is something that Jesus himself experienced, something that every one of his early followers experienced, and something they encouraged us to experience in the Bible. What are we doing in baptism? In baptism, we are following the example of Jesus. We're also confessing that we are sinners. We're asking to be joined with Jesus. We're pledging ourselves to God. We're asking God to forgive us of our sins and fill us with the Holy Spirit. In baptism, we are calling upon the name of Jesus for salvation. It is most definitely not a religious ritual or a ceremonial cleansing. It is so much more. And misunderstanding number three, Babies need to be baptized. See, it's a common teaching in in some Christian traditions that babies need to be baptized. And this particular misunderstanding comes from two other teachings. Number one, that we are born sinners, which is completely true, by the way. We are born with a sinful nature. But number two, the waters of baptism, the waters themselves save us from our sin, which is obviously not completely true. The reasoning goes like this. If we are born sinners and if baptism saves us from our sin, then we need to be baptized after we're born to save us from our sins so that we'll be saved from hell should we die at a very young age. Now, this is a mistaken conclusion for two reasons. The first reason is Mark 16, 16, where Jesus says, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. When talking about being saved in Mark 16, 16, Jesus makes faith, not baptism, primary. 
Jesus indicates that faith comes first. Jesus doesn't say anyone who is baptized will be saved, but anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. You see, baptism is essentially useless without faith preceding it. And a baby cannot have faith or declare their faith in Christ. A baby cannot call on Jesus for salvation, cannot repent of sin. And therefore, baptism for babies is unnecessary. The second reason it's unnecessary is Romans 4.15, which says this. It says, law brings wrath, and where there is no law, there is no transgression. Now, we don't have time to fully interpret Romans 4.15 today, but the main point is this. Where there is no understanding of God, no understanding of the gospel, no understanding of good and evil, there is no accountability for sin. If you don't have the ability to understand God or the gospel or your own sinfulness, then God is not gonna hold you accountable for your sin. You're gonna be forgiven regardless of your sin if you cannot understand things like sin. And there are two groups of people in particular that cannot easily grasp such things and those two groups are very small children and people with very special needs. And you've heard of original sin. What we're talking about here is original grace. They are under the grace of God always, even when they don't understand the grace of God or their need for forgiveness. And so we conclude that a child should not be baptized until he or she has some understanding of God, some understanding of the gospel, some understanding of sin and sinfulness in his or her own need for salvation. Pastor Gary likes to ask kids who wanna be baptized. A kid will come up and say, hey, I'd like to be baptized. Here's what he says. He says, which of your sins breaks your heart? And I think that's a brilliant question. And if a child can't answer that question yet, they may not be ready for baptism yet. In fact, I believe until that time, a child has no need to be baptized. And besides, that's a decision that, that ultimately we believe they should make for themselves. And of course, we want to lead them to that decision as parents, but ultimately, the decision to follow Jesus lies with every person individually. And perhaps some of you here today have never made that decision for yourself. Perhaps your parents made it for you when you were an infant. Perhaps your, your friends made it for you when you were a teenager. Perhaps you've never been baptized, but you've just wondered what it's all about until today. And if any of those things describe you, then we would love to talk to you about making baptism the next step on your spiritual journey. So how can I do that? Well, you can do that by filling out the digital connection card connected to the QR codes on the back of your pews. And that's our takeaway for today. If baptism, if you think baptism might, might be your next step on your spiritual journey, we just ask you to let us know that today. Scan that QR code, mark that you wanna be baptized, and one of our ministers will call you this week. And we will set up a time to talk to you about your spiritual journey. We'll baptize you as soon as possible after that. Jesus 
was baptized. Every early Christian was baptized. And if you have never been baptized, my question for you today, and I wanna leave you with this question is, what is preventing you from being baptized? And if your answer is nothing, then perhaps it's time to take that next step on your journey with Jesus. God bless you. We pray this message has been a blessing to you. If we can pray for you or encourage you in any capacity, please let us know at FCCFM.org.